welcome to another episode of Listen Loudly. I'm Jocelyn Thompson-Raw and today my guest, Dr. Chelsea Jackson-Roberts, my friend, my colleague. I cried at the end of this, just so you know. (laughs) We knew this anyway, but I think how we see the world of movement, of yoga, is exactly the same. It is for everybody, but also the importance of us learning and leading from our connection to ourselves and that being a lifelong pursuit. So it is a short episode, it's a sweet episode. Pen and paper, just her message is wonderful. Enjoy. Be still my heart. Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts. What are you doing on here? (laughs) How are you, Jocelyn? I'm so happy to see you. Right. I say this at the start of every podcast and people are going to be sick of me saying this, but I had a dream list of people who I wanted to speak to and every single person said yes. I am so grateful for that. And when I I slid into your DMs just to ask you. In my heart, I was like, I think Chelsea's going to say yes. But it's just each time I record these, it is just, it's such a joyous feeling. So thank you for saying yes. And thank you for coming on here. How are you? Absolutely, Jocelyn. I'm well. I was going to say, I think it speaks to who you are. Like, that's great to like just throw out and every single person is a yes. It's the excitement that we have to to talk with you. So I just want to say thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy and excited for you and this podcast, the short times that we've had to spend together because we are sisters across the pond. Whenever I'm with you, it feels like just picking up where we left off. It feels like I've known you for decades. And quite honestly, I think we just, I mean, clearly we just met when we started here at Peloton when you came. So I feel great. I feel really inspired to be chatting with you today. Thank you. Thank you. And I think you're right. There are some people who you meet and it's a conversation doesn't even need to be had. You're just like, you're like, yeah. Dialed in. Yeah. You're like, oh, she's my people. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Chelsea, we met working together at Peloton. Mm -hmm. I'm on the tread. I'm on boot camp. You're in yoga and meditation. If you haven't listened to any of Chelsea's yoga meditation, get into it. Just your voice, the sound of your voice is just incredible. So I want to know the start for you because you studied child education before you went into yoga. So tell me a little bit about where you studied that, why you studied that, and we'll go from there. I got really curious about yoga when I was in college, when I was at the end of college. And I remember wondering what this thing was. It was just like, so like, to me, not accessible. Like I would see like people on covers who didn't look like me doing yoga. I would see people at the gym that would go in, you know, I'm going into like step aerobics and I see the yogis and I was like, oh yeah, I'm not one of them. Or I would see the advertisements for the yoga pants. And I was like, "Mm, I don't fit in there. And so I got really curious and I was hesitant because I didn't think that I belonged there. And it was my own internalized thoughts and also what society has like kind of dictated who is worthy of certain spaces, especially spaces for wellness and mindfulness. 
And so I just remember just being very hesitant. I did not step into my first yoga class. And I love to share this story because I know a lot of people are intimidated by yoga and meditation. And I didn't just go in there charging in and say, I'm here. I remember I graduated from college and it was early 20s, moving through adulthood. I just started teaching elementary school in Atlanta. I graduated from Spelman College, historically black college for women. Yes. yes. And so it was that just, just makes like me feel all warm inside. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in this incubus, this incubator that is telling me that this world is for me to explore it and to be a leader in it at Spelman, because that's what we, we normalize being leaders and seeing a president as our leader, president of the college. It was funny to go out into the world to leave Spelman and then have to make sense of it. And so I feel like yoga was that tool for me to support me in making sense of the world. And so I was a third grade teacher, really stressed out. Shout out to all the teachers out there. Shout out to anyone who is taking care of anyone, like caregivers, like any age, all of that. And so... I just remember feeling burnt out already in my first year of teaching. And I was like, what if I tried that thing that I was curious about? Because I was curious because everybody who did yoga just seemed like they were either happy or at peace. Even if it wasn't happiness, it was just like they were grounded. They were just like here and present. And I admired that. I wanted that. And so I just remember saying, okay, I'm going to try this yoga thing. I went to a hot yoga class for the first class ever as a beginner yogi. <laughs> fainted in the class. Chelsea. Fainted. All I remember was cold towels <laughs> on my forehead, my back, my neck. And I was just like mortified that I'm looking around. I was like, oh my gosh, I totally fainted. Oh, I, no. I don't think I had ever fainted before in my life. So it was just like, did I? <laughs> Is it? I might. And I, uh-huh. <laughs> And I actually went back. I went back for another round. I don't know what that was about, but hey, here I am, not necessarily doing hot yoga because I actually found out that that wasn't necessarily the best for my body constitution. Shout out to Ayurveda for teaching me that. But it opened up the gate for me exploring and understanding what yoga is. And by definition, yoga just means to unite, to yoke, to join. As a first year teacher, As a young woman who just left the space of Spelman, as a Black woman who was up against the world and realizing, oh, it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be, I really hooked into yoga because it was the first time that I felt grounded, present, and at ease. And it didn't Mm. come like overnight. It wasn't like clearly I fainted in the first one. I remember crying in Shavasana in another class. All of these things, right, were happening that made me feel uncomfortable. And that's usually the thing that keeps people hesitant to try yoga and the meditation because it's like silence. You're still, you're listening to everything. All of the internal noise is getting louder because you don't have any distractions to take you away. So I just remember my yoga journey being one that wasn't necessarily love at first sight. It was a growing with it. And I understood yoga from a full, only physical understanding. And it wasn't later until I experienced a traumatic 
I lost my best friend to gun violence. And it was abrupt. It was sudden. It was the biggest traumatic experience I had ever gone through at the age of, at that time, 23. And so my yoga practice began to change a bit. It wasn't just this, I'm going to tone my glutes and my abs. It was, I need this to get to each day. I need this to remind myself that I have this breath right now. Life is hard. It's challenging. I've never experienced anything like this before. But what I do have is this breath as my anchor. And that's what yoga has taught me. And that's why I've never looked back since. Wow. 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 (laughs) So interesting that you said that those first experiences that, you know, you fainted, that would make so many people run, like sprint in the opposite direction, be like, absolutely. That is a hard no, like absolutely not. But you kept on coming back to it. I did. And I used I used it as information. I used it as data. I used it as, okay, hot yoga may not be for me, but let me go and try this yoga that they call restorative yoga. Let me go and try this yoga that they call yin yoga. Or let's just keep it old school. And hatha yoga is really what all of these forms of yoga live under. And it was just like, well, maybe it's not that form of yoga. And so that's what I want people to understand too, With yoga and meditation, it's not one size fits all. It's not one teacher fits all. It's just like anything else in your life. Relationships, it's a relationship. So perhaps that's not your vibe. Maybe hot yoga is not your vibe. Maybe you need to figure out another path to go. And so that's what I used it as because I'm not the person who tends to go back to the thing that inflicts pain or like makes me feel like I am not doing it good enough. Like I never wanted to feel defeated. I never want to feel defeated after my yoga practice. I want to feel renewed. And so hot yoga wasn't necessarily giving me that. The other yoga practices and ones that I'm actually developing now on our platform engaging music a lot more. I just want to meet people where they are and I want them to know that they are already whole and that this is just going to add to and illuminate us even more. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I need to just (laughs) swim through all of that. The first piece that you said about it being just information. I say that so often that when we, even if like I'm stretching at the end of a class, I'm taking the stretch with members I'm like, let's just see, does one side feel like it needs a little bit more love than the other? Because I'm also mindful of the language that I use around the body rather than one side is weaker or one side is this or one side is that. Like, let's just kind of reframe A, the language that we use around our own bodies, but also that it's not a, it's not anything more than it needs to be. So it is just information. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I could do it actually, you know, stretching my right hip a bit more or mobilizing my right hip a bit more. Cool. I know that now that's information from me about myself great. Not, oh, I can't believe I'm not as flexible or as flowy as, as whoever else. It's always this coming back to yourself, information about yourself for yourself that you can go, actually, yeah, this is for me, you know, or it's not for me. And there's no pressure around that. There's no, like, you have to do this. And also your idea around so many people chase this feeling exhausted after a session And I I actually got a message from a lady just the other day. She asked me and she'd listened to a a two for one I'd done with Susie. 
And she said, would you consider a hike, a recovery? I like to push myself as hard as I can every day. And I said, in that case, no, like a hike isn't a recovery for you. First of all, because you're not able to push yourself as hard as you can every day. If you're doing that, your body's not recovered enough to be able to do that. So you're operating at some maximum of what those sessions could be. And also our idea of what hard is, maybe pushing yourself hard is slowing yourself down because that pause, that slow down, that, okay, you know what? I'm not going 90 miles an hour. I'm going slower and that feels a bit more uncomfortable. That in fact is my hard. And I think a lot of people find that hard work, that that kind of slowing down and it is okay to do it. And we're never really comparing ourselves to sort of like elite level, world-class athletes who are competing for their for their countries, but they do the same thing. They have to recover in order to be able to perform at a high level. And so I, you know, I said to her, so no, I, I don't think a hike is a recovery and a hike isn't a recovery anyway, not if you're at like 12% powering up right. it or whatever. But actually, and I and I just encouraged her to be curious about maybe why she wanted to push herself so hard every day and what that might look like in a different way. And could she give herself grace in doing that? I think it's hard for a lot of people. Absolutely. I just think about a cell phone. I think that of the universal thing that so many people have in their daily lives. And I think about like, I don't want my cell phone to get all the way down to the red. Like, and it's like, you have 5% left. You have, I'm in a panic now, especially if I'm out in the world, I have a son now, like my husband, like, I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm like, am I about to just like completely be out of juice? So I don't tend to approach my workouts in that way. And so I think that yoga is a good companion or component to support us in that because you're still moving your body. You're still breathing. You're still, I think stretching is one of the most beneficial things that we can do for our body, especially as we age. And so for me, I think that it would behoove a lot of us, especially athletes, if we found that balance, as my teacher Swami Jayadevi says, that balance between effort and ease, because it's somewhere in the middle to me where I tap into that joy. Like everything is not going to be easy. Everything is not going to be hard. But when I see that balance between that effort and the ease, that's the space where I feel the most human. That's the space where I give myself space to, to breathe, to relax, to rest and say that I'm worthy of that rest, that I don't have to keep doing, 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 that I can actually be in some of those spaces. And for me, yoga is the practice of being. Mm, absolutely. And yeah, finding that middle point, because I think, I guess the misconception of effort being here and ease being here. And I feel like so many people find that actually that center point, that perfect point for you, they feel like they wouldn't know who they are or where they would be in that space when in actual fact it's the very thing that kind of brings them together with themselves. But yeah, the the, the practice of of yoga allows to ease into that and, and break down those layers. And it's a it's a lifelong journey. Yoga was designed for us to understand who we truly are. In yoga, we call it our kleshas. It's it's you know peeling back the layers each time we get onto our mat 
practice breath work, we're actually peeling back the layers that we have accumulated and absorbed throughout this life. And it's not always the messages that we truly believe it's what someone's placing onto us. And so for me, when I step onto my mat, I am taking away those layers so that I can uncover truly who Chelsea, Chelsea is. What do I actually like? To me, that's where it gets scary because you're saying, well, who am I if I'm not this person who I've been telling myself? And this is what's working for me. This is what makes money for me. This is what, you know, like all the things because you accumulate so much. And the more that you accumulate, it's so hard for you to say, you know what, I'm going to just step back and take a retreat. And, And so I think that that's why people oftentimes I notice will compartmentalize yoga a lot it's not even like this workout that people can normalize. People can say, I go to go for a jog every day. But it's something about yoga and meditation. I think it's our relationship with our worthiness of slowing down, being quiet and present to ourselves that tells us that we don't have enough time. We don't have enough space to do it. And so people will tend to compartmentalize yoga and meditation and say, I'm going on vacation and I'll do yoga and meditation. Or I'm going on a retreat to a beautiful place that I can only go to once a year. I'll do yoga and meditation then. What if you said, let me try to take some deep breaths first thing in the morning before I get the day started? Guess what? You meditated. And then you add on. And then you say, how can I integrate this into my daily life and let myself know that I'm worthy of these these moments of presence for myself, as opposed to saying, nope, not yet, not yet. I got to wait until I worked, 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 and then I can have my yoga practice, and then I can luxuriate. Like, no, what are we waiting for? This is the only life, the only body that we get to occupy, as I know, of right now in this lifetime. So why wouldn't I use these resources that will allow me to tap into what I truly want and desire during this lifetime? And it is that worthiness of it now piece is huge because I guess we've been programmed to believe that we are only deserving of rest when we work really hard. Right, right. But we also believe that that hard work is never ending. (laughs) As you say, you're waiting for that holiday. It's also easier to meditate when life isn't lifing around you when you're away. But how powerful to be able to do it, as you say, when you wake up in the morning and it doesn't, you know, I would be very guilty of being like, right, let me set out this time. Let me, instead of, as you say, there's no, there are no parameters here. Yeah. As you wait for this file to upload, close your eyes, breathe, know that it takes what, five minutes or so for that to, guess what? I got a built in meditation right now. Close my eyes. Let that happen. I usually meet yoga students, not all, but a lot at crisis. Like it's either a crisis, a doctor has told them, you should really look at, bring your stress levels down. Like look at your nervous system. Like, and I love that. I'm here. Come through whoever has been ordered to integrate yoga and meditation into your life. And I also want you to know that you don't have to wait until you're in crisis to begin your practice, to begin yoga and meditation. And also the thing that was uncomfortable for me was like the music. It was like really slow, really silent. Also find your vibe. Like I just did a live, a TikTok live Jocelyn yesterday with Timbaland and our colleague Camila and Timbaland and I, he just released new meditation 
music and he was playing it. And I just started leading a guided meditation. He started beatboxing. I'm getting chills talking about it because it was just like, there was something that told me that all of me wasn't welcomed to the mat and that I had to change something, that I had to wear a certain costume to be a yogi, that I had to listen to certain music, or I could have Timbaland bust out a beat and say, you know what? This is what we have right now. Let's breathe to this beat. Now we're meditating and I'm meeting you exactly where you are. So all of that to say, get curious, get curious. And you don't have to to keep doing it if you're not feeling it. But something tells me that there's going to be an aha moment where it's just like, oh, this is why yoga is thousands and thousands of years old. Yes. <laughs> this shit isn't new. <laughs> it's it ain't been working new. for years. Yeah. Yeah. And you found your flow within that. Yeah. From people telling me that it didn't belong too. I remember the first time that I entered, started teaching yoga and a woman asked me, um, can you not play? I was playing like R&B or something in the class. And she was just like, I don't think that that belongs here. And I took that. I was just like, oh my gosh, I've offended the yoga community. It doesn't belong here. Okay. Make that a mantra. It doesn't belong here. I don't belong here. This music doesn't belong here. My culture doesn't belong here. Like all these things. So what is it that belongs? So that's why I want to rewrite, reimagine, rethink about, redefine who yoga is for, what yoga can truly have the capacity and potential to do. And for me, I think that it has the potential to unite communities that would have never have connected before. And I feel like this is the practice that unites us in so many ways. And yeah, if you if you don't feel like you belong in that space or as you, just even you backtracking to what that first message was and then how it was eventually imprinted on mm -hmm. your brain and you just think how that happens again and again and yeah. again and again. I remember I went to um, a yoga class in London. The teacher was very keen to show us what he could do. I was oh, like, yeah. I love this for you, babes, but I can't even get into pigeon right now. Like these hips are not hipsing. Like, so <laughs> it was, and, and everyone there again, I was there and I was like, Ooh. I'm not sure I'm going to come back here again. It just wasn't yeah. the vibe, wasn't the space. It becomes but, acrobats. Yeah. And that's to me, if I'm acrobatting, I'm breaking my neck right now because. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, what is this going to do for me in the long run? Don't get me wrong. I love a circus. I'm trying to think of all the things where, you know, people are showing how beautiful and magical our bodies can be, but on an everyday basis, that's not sustainable for me. That's why I keep my classes pretty pedestrian. I keep my, you know, some people could look at my classes and say, oh, she's basic. Honey, it takes a lot of skill to be able to break this down for someone who says I don't belong. I try to meet people in the spaces where they feel the power of their body. They feel the strength of their body. And I think a lot of times when we rely on trying to show off or showboat or you know, there's a time and place for everything. But when it when it comes to moments like that, I think that we're just trying to compensate for whatever it is that, you know, as an introvert, I can understand even socially if I'm just like, oh, I don't know what to say right now. Let me show yeah. that I can do a handstand. Yeah. Hey, hi, <laughs> look at me. Look at me. So there is a balance. I think that it is a lifelong journey. Yoga is never like, I don't ever want to be a master because then my, that's samadhi, that's nirvana, that's 
my work here is done and I'm I'm about to check out. So for as long as I'm on this earth, I am a yogi. For as long as I'm on this earth, I am constantly learning every single day. And the day that I say that I've learned it all is my last day and I ain't ready for that yet. So even those yoga teachers who can do all the things with their bodies, I hope that they still have space to know that there's learning in how to reach students, especially those who don't think that they belong. Mm, and you're deep in that lifelong practice, which I think in itself takes a level of self-acceptance to say, I'm going to give to myself for the rest of my life. And I am worthy of, of doing that. And I love myself enough to do that. Also, you saying that the basics are not basic. Listen, I feel so much the same about that in, in the movement that I teach, whether it's, you know, strength, whether it's running or on the tread. Like when I was mentoring other coaches in the industry, had a mentorship for women in the fitness industry, and we went over the basics real good because what often happens in the, the fitness industry is everyone feels like they don't know enough. So they do course after course after course after course after course without applying even the knowledge that they learned when they first qualified. And in my mind, I'm like, listen, if you went out on the gym floor and you coached people for one or two years with the knowledge that you have, you're going to know where the holes are in your knowledge. You're going to know exactly what course you need to do. And you will have built the strongest foundation ever over the person who's like, I need this course and this course and this course and this course and this course to often impress other coaches, not the end user to impress other coaches with, well, I have all of this knowledge. And then it just becomes this kind of massaging of egos. And I'm like, okay, so what, what's happening for the end user here? How are they benefiting? Because I love that you're elite now and fabulous, but first of all, nobody can afford you. Second of all, like what is happening to the person who feels like they have no idea where to start? You do the basics with everybody and doing the basics and understanding the basics will serve you so well. And I think that you're saying exactly that in yoga too. There is nothing simple or there is nothing basic about really, really leaning into that. The title of this podcast is called Listen Loudly because I feel that you have to listen loudly to yourself in order to be heard by others. Is there a moment you feel in your life where you listened loudly to yourself in order to be heard by others? Mm, listen loudly to myself. Yeah, to be heard by others. I think right now is that moment. I think that I am in a place where, you know, I've been teaching yoga um, since 2007. I've been practicing since 2001. When I think about how I've just trying to tried to be this ambassador for yoga and this message. And so I remember the first time I came back from Spelman and I was vegan. I was vegan for 12 years. And I remember trying to push it on everybody. I was like, everybody, you need barbecue tofu for this instead. We need to do vegan mac and cheese. Like everybody's like, oh gosh, here comes Chelsea. She's here. She comes again. She's about to try to convert us to being all these things. And so I just remember just trying to speak loudly about yoga and meditation. And I've learned over decades that it's do your work and people will see what is happening. And I finally feel like it's starting to happen. Like I finally feel like I'm listening to myself loudly and my yoga practice through motherhood for the first time, through 
all of these things, navigating New York City. I'm not a New Yorker. Now mm. I'm, my son is a New Yorker. Wow. <laughs> um, but it's just like all the things. And so the more that I listen to myself loudly and the things that I teach, I have to practice what I teach. That comes from my teacher, Tracy Stanley. And that's what I'm listening to loudly right now. Listening to when I get frustrated that I think that people should get it about yoga. And I'm like, why are people not like, what is it? And I'm like, listen to yourself loudly. So talking to you right now, Jocelyn, is reminding myself, Chelsea, remember when you first started? Remember how intimidating it was? I'm listening to myself loudly. And I think that that is what translates to folks right now and present day who are where I was in 2001 saying, do I belong? And now I know I belong and I'm kicking open doors of people who say that we don't. And by we, I mean the collective we, not even to race, but like seeing men in spaces, seeing people with a spectrum of abilities, both physical, intellectual, like all of these things. I'm kicking doors open for anyone who says that there are folks who don't belong in this space because yoga is for everybody. And so that's what I'm listening to loudly. Everything that brought me to the mat, I got to listen to myself loudly in that and now I think that people are starting to hear that. Mm. Oh, and it is music to our (laughs) ears. Thank you so much. I love you, Jocelyn. I am so like, as you know, I'm a fan. You are my go-to for the tread. I love everything you do, all of your music, your techniques. (laughs) And so I just want to say I am in awe of you. You are a beacon of light for myself. As a mom, as a woman of color, as, you know, all the things we can go down, all the lists, right? And I just want you to know that I see you. So thank you for having me. You're making me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, honestly, so, so much. You are just it. Let me gather myself. <laughs> oh, but, uh, Jocelyn. Thank you. What a joy <laughs> to listen to you. And I, the tears actually flow down the face. <laughs> Here we go. Dab, 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 dab. Oh. <laughs> Let it flow. Let it flow. <laughs> well, thank you so much, my love. And I will see you and squeeze you very soon. Lots of love. Absolutely.